Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Chiefs organized team activities continued this week, even after a Monday trip to the White House. We'll start things off with the Chiefs Stock Watch podcast. They did some buying and selling on some current Chiefs thoughts on their roster headed into the season. After that, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast. They've got all of the best White House highlights from the Chiefs' visit on Monday. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, highlighting the latest news after the Chiefs wrapped up another week of OTAs. That's all coming up on today's Best of the Week. So we'll start with the inevitable. I mean, it can't be a, a summer podcast without talking about should the Chief or the the Chiefs should bring in DeAndre Hopkins. Are you buying or selling that? I'm going to sell at what DeAndre Hopkins seems to think his current value is with the caveat that I will buy all day if the price gets low enough. Given what we know now and the money he seems to think that he's going to get and that his expectations are based on what Odell Beckham Jr., got i'm probably gonna go with sell on this one yeah i mean it's hard i I really tried to not answer every question about a free agent with like well if the money's right just because sometimes sometimes you just gotta like throw that to the wind a little bit right like juan taylor chiefs made a huge investment in him right now he's the highest right right highest paid right tackle in football and that's what you're gonna do in free agency i'm gonna say yes i obviously i don't want to see them walk up you know some huge massive deal to him but here's my thing There's about two wide receivers on the Chiefs right now that I really care about them long term and what they become. And that's Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice. Justin Ross is a a lottery ticket. Uh, MVS is basically, you know, he could be on the team next year, but there's a good chance that he's not. Uh, Justin Watson, any other investment that the Chiefs have at wide receiver is very short term. Rasheed Rice and Sky Moore are really the only long term investments this team has at wide receiver. As long as bringing in a player like DeAndre Hopkins isn't hindering them, which I don't think he would, especially this year, because, again, Rasheed Rice is kind of in that hopper, that system where he's going to take a year to develop. I think bringing in DeAndre Hopkins makes the Chiefs Travis Kelsey injury proof. Obviously, that doesn't mean he can't get injured, but I think. He is if if Travis Kelsey goes down, this offense is scary. Like I believe in Andy, I believe in Pat, I believe in this offensive line, but you're not talking about a top five offense without Travis Kelsey. I'm sorry. It, it's just probably not going to happen week in, week out against the best defenses in the NFL. And we don't know what's going to happen. He's been insanely ha- healthy his whole career, but things change. Bringing in DeAndre Hopkins, not only is it just the kind of like 31 other teams just go, geez, man, are you serious? But also, you're keeping them away from another contender, whether it be the, in the AFC or the NFC, and you're making you're making it yourself Travis Kelsey proof because they do quite a few of the same things. And I, I do think that he still has something left in the tank. Now, with all that being said, yes, the money has to be right. Like, we don't want to see some massive deal with a ton of guaranteed money for a guy who's had some injury issues the last two years and also had a PED suspension. Right. And the thing that I keep seeing is, well, the Chiefs can just extend Chris Jones and then they'll have cap space for DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't, I don't think it's going to quite work that way. In fact, I think the Chiefs would probably have an easier time swallowing some cash for DeAndre Hopkins if they don't extend Chris Jones and they find other ways to open that cap space. Because if you extend Chris Jones, there's a good chance you're spending $70 million in one day, either on a signing bonus or putting money away for his future guarantees. So I just, I see that take all the time and it's just not going to be that simple. Jared Sapp noted salary cap expert here at Arrowhead pride brings up a great point, And that is 
cap in cash, right? Uh, the the former Chiefs GM who used to say that all the time, Carl Peterson, cap and cash, they're not the same thing. Any, any guaranteed contract, they're going to have to put that money in escrow. And if you're paying Chris, like, you're right, Odell Beckham is going to be kind of a moniker for uh, the DeAndre Hopkins contract. If you're extending Chris Jones, you're probably putting $70 million into equity or something like that. And then another 15, 20 for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love my, uh, you know, my $10 beer, my $38 Chiefs t-shirts but i don't even know if card cunt's got that laying around so and the chiefs aren't a huge cap or a cash spending team in a year-to-year basis but it's also it's june 6th there's no team that's just sitting on 15 million dollars in in budget for this year waiting on a deandre hopkins to come around like i'm very curious i mean we all thought that um we all thought Christian Kirk had made a whole lot of wide receivers a lot of money, and that just did not happen this cycle in free agency. I'm not sure that Odell Beckham has made DeAndre Hopkins the money people think he has. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I for Hopkins, this is gonna it's gonna be one or two things, right? Either someone's gonna give him enough money that he can't help himself, or he's gonna, you know, end up going to somewhere like Kansas City, like the Bills or something like that, where it's incentive laden and he really does go kind of more because he is still getting paid by the Cardinals this year. No. So it, oh, no. does he not have any dead money or do he, not owe him any money? He has dead. That's another take that I see a lot on Twitter. The Cardinals, the dead money would have been the same if the Cardinals had traded DeAndre Hopkins or cut him. He's not actually being paid any money from the Cardinals this year. They okay. have prorated portions of his signing bonus that they just have not charged against their salary cap. And the Cardinals, I think, know they're not going anywhere this year, so they don't really care that they have $22 million of cap space devoted to him because they weren't planning on spending it to have a backup quarterback throw to them anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I know sometimes, like, I think baseball does that sometimes where there's, like, a player who's, like, getting paid simultaneously from two teams. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's just, it's ultimately going to come down to that. I, I There's a lot of teams right now that have the cap space to sign him. Like Carolina makes a lot of sense. I know it doesn't fit his narrative that he wants to go to contender, but that's a team that has a young quarterback that they're trying to build around. And DeAndre Hopkins would be a young quarterback's best friend as far as just dump off after dump off. Um, and a guy who kind of always gets open, um, you know, Cleveland Browns. Kind of loaded up on X receivers though. They, they have yeah. X receivers like, like nothing else. Yeah, they do. Yeah, because Mingo was drafted there, and they've got uh, Thielen. They've got quite a few Mark guys. And yeah, and Terrence Marshall is still there, too. Terrence so, Marshall, if his career yeah. takes off the way I thought it was going to. Yeah, I feel I feel a little bit better because I was so sure that Terrence Marshall was going to be the thing, and I was upset that they drafted Nick Bolton, but that that worked it out. That worked out okay so far, <laughs> I would say. Um, all right, next, next buy or sell is going to be the Chiefs are not – better at tackle in 2023 than they were in 2022 are you buying or selling that i'm i'm selling this one all that long i i'm going to trust that donovan smith can be what he was before this year um it's not a kyle long situation he's not even 30 years old uh he was at the podium at otas i think on the first media availability and Somebody said you're 31 and he corrected them that he actually does not turn 30 until later this month. Um, we're also talking an elbow. This isn't a knee. It isn't a back. I mean, I, I think that there should be some optimism that this is an injury that you can rebound from and have a couple of good years from. I think Juwan Taylor is on a different planet better than Andrew Wiley. And I think, Donovan Smith will kind of be a wash with Orlando Brown. Yeah, I this is one that I've I, I still cannot wrap my head around the disliking of the Donovan Smith edition. Like you would think that this guy had like posted some real like Chiefs hate on social media or something. Um I, I know that he did not have a good year last year. I I, I just I just frankly don't understand it. I do agree. Juwan Taylor is an upgrade over Andrew Wiley, especially because Andrew Wiley in the chief system was maxed out. Like he's not getting any better than he was last year, considering what the chiefs do to scheme around him, what they do to help him, his age, his draft status, all those type of things. Juwan Taylor, there's still upside. He's 25 years old. He came from a 
organization that had awful coaching year after year until this year with Doug Peterson. He's staying in the same system. He does what the Chiefs do most often in pass blocking well. There's plenty of upside left. I think that's just an easy upgrade. And yes, do I think that it's possible that 2022 Orlando Brown was better than Donovan Smith? Yeah, I do. And uh, Donovan Smith played through some injuries, but do I think that the gap is really big for 2023 if Donovan Smith stays healthy? No, I don't think it's that big. And if you upgraded right tackle and at least stayed the same at left tackle, this isn't a huge downgrade. And oh, by the way, you added a uh, you know a guy who has potential to swing back and forth with Wanya Morris. So I I just have a hard time getting truly upset, especially because oh. A few days before Donovan Smith was added, everyone was in love with the idea of like, oh, well, we'll just have Juwan Taylor on the left tackle on the left side, a guy who's not really had a ton of success at the right side. We'll kick him over to the left side and just start this rookie at right tackle. That was a okay, but all of a sudden you kick him over to the right side, and that's a bad contract. I just don't understand it. Like, I think we're kind of pat. We should be past the whole like, oh, left tackle should always get paid more because they're more important. Pass rushers line up on your weakest tackle either way. I. I've wondered how I suspect that the chiefs were planning to draft Anton Harrison in the first round. I suspect that that's who they were wanting to trade up for. And the Jaguars found out that day, their left tackle was about to be suspended. Um, I'm wondering what, how the narrative would be different if the chiefs had given Jawan Taylor the contract and then used a first round pick on a left tackle to where the perception is you'll have that spot taken care of at a cheap price for the duration of Taylor's contract. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not necessarily sure that I would have loved Harrison at 31 or if they would have had to trade up to get him. I mean, he was like tackle five or six in a pretty weak tackle class and a guy who, you know, plays in, I don't want to call it a gadgety offense, but plays in an offense that he had a lot to learn. Um, as far as coming to the NFL, I'm really surprised. Apparently the Jags are kicking him to the right side and playing Walker. Yeah. Like the assumption was, Oh, Walker will literally will play right tackle and they'll stick Harrison. No, there's, there's making Harrison switch. Uh, so I, I don't know what the plan is whenever Cam Robinson comes back. I know he's been pretty mediocre at his contract price anyway. So they're probably looking to move on in the long term Anyway, they invested a second in Walker a little, but yeah, that, that one's, that one's weird to me. I, I just don't understand the basis of that take, especially whenever you consider like it's a one-year deal. I, I just don't have a lot of frustration and like always, for some reason, the millionth time people fell for the whole, like, Oh, his contract is up to $9 million. And they're like, Oh, $9 million guaranteed for that guy. How it's like, well, up to up to is doing a lot of work here. It's 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 two and probably three, and then we'll see about the other six. And like keep in mind what they were playing paying Orlando Brown Jr. last year on the tag. They just got incredibly cheaper at left tackle for what will probably be the same level of play. I can I can palette that. That that works. And who knows if it works out, tackles play well. I mean, Trent Williams is like 34 I mean, or 35, and it's the best left tackle in football. With, would anybody have been shocked if the Chiefs signed signed Orlando Brown to a deal worth twenty three million dollars annually? Would that have shocked anybody? No, I think it's what most people are planning. I think that's on. what most people expected. I mean, effectively, Juwan Taylor and Donovan Smith are going to make twenty three million dollars this year combined. Yeah, and and that's a good way to look at it. I haven't thought about it like that. Okay, next one. Here we go. Buying or selling. Isaiah Pacheco should be considered a running back one. And by running back one, I'm kind of talking fantasy football a little bit, but also just in general. Is he like a top tier running back this year for the Chiefs and in the NFL? Um, I love Pacheco. I, I'm i going to sell. When, uh, when I saw that this was on the show tonight, I kind of looked at some very early – Fantasy draft rankings, it looks like he's about running back 25 on most boards this early. Um, I mean, I think that he will be the first back to get over 1,000 yards in the Mahomes era. I just, I've got some serious questions. Is he going to improve this year from what he was as a rookie? I think his stats will be better because he'll get more opportunity. There's three things that kind of have me concerned about, is he going to get a lot better this season? The first of all, I do think the tackle situation is better as far as keeping the quarterback, keeping the franchise, keeping the face of the league standing up. I do think that you might see a slight downgrade in the run game, especially, I mean, 
Orlando Brown was a very good run blocking tackle. I think everybody agrees on that. The other things is what would what would probably make Pacheco have the highest ceiling would be if he would get better at pass protection and as a receiver. Right now, he's rehabbing a broken hand. What two things can you probably not practice with a broken hand? Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. And the other thing that kind of concerns me about, is he going to get better? And this is a true unknown. I think the change is good. I think the Chiefs coaching staff was due for some change. A lot of experience with running backs went out the door with Eric Bieniemy and Greg Lewis. I mean, that's a lot of experience in the run game. You have a former Kansas running back, Connor Embry, who's now going to be coaching wide receivers. And the new running backs coach is a former NFL wide receiver who played for Andy Reid, Todd Pinkston, played for Andy Reid in Philadelphia. From what I've seen, um, his coaching resume before coming to the Chiefs as the running backs coach was he was the wide receivers coach at a uh, – championship subdivision school. I'm not saying it can't work. Um, when Daneric Prince spoke at rookie minicamp, he said that uh, coach Todd Pinkston was a big part of the reason why he chose Kansas city. It's just that that's a big unknown. What's going to be a big season for how Pacheco's career goes. Yeah. The running back room is really interesting. I'm going to sell this as well. I do not view like Isaiah Pacheco. I think he had a really nice ending to the year. He was extremely important in that super bowl. Um, there were just some really big plays that he made, and he he's a perfect back for what the Chiefs need. Hey, right. run there fast. That's that's really like, hey, this massive hole, go run through it fast. That's what he does. I feel like personally, there's not much that he does that's above what the you know they have those stats that are called like completion percentage over expectation. If there was like a running version of that, like Isaiah Pacheco gets you every yard that you scheme for him and not a not a yard more. Like, yes, he is very physical, but he also has those plays where it's like, oh, uh, that was the hole. You you went the other way. And sometimes it works like the the big run in the Jags game with the Chad Henney one. That was like a broken play that he probably should have run somewhere else. But then he just bounced it outside and had the speed to get out there. Uh I, I just don't think that he has that RB1 potential because I think one, we've already seen he runs very physical. He's going to get hurt like that whole like jump up after getting like slammed down to the ground and sprinting back to the huddle. It, it's super exuberant and exciting, but I think that's going to have some wear and tear on his body. I think he's going to get hurt. I think they have someone who already replicates a skill set in generic Prince. I think, you know, I, I just. I, I think the Chiefs are going going to try to treat him like the RB1, like Andy Reid has done in the past. Like Andy kind of tends to write it back. Did it with McCoy back when he had him. Did it with Jamal Charles. Did it with Kareem Hunt when he was here. I think they're going to try to do that. Obviously, McKinnon's still going to be mixing in there on third downs. And then Clyde is just going to be the ultimate wild card as far as like if he could um, if he could do anything this year, this would, you know, it would be a good opportunity for him. He uh he might not dress, honestly. Um, when Dev Tobe spoke last week at Media Day, uh, Daenerys Prince was the first person he named as a kick return candidate. It's always worth looking when Tobe talks about a player. That 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 could be Prince's path to dressing, at, and that would probably come at the expense of Clyde. Yeah, I think, you know, Clyde, I think we're going to know pretty quickly what's going on with Clyde at, at camp. Pete says that he looks pretty good as far as how he's been doing at camp or at OTAs, looks thin, looks like he's doing well. But if he's not taking those snaps if, and he's not doing much with them, um, you know, I, training camp's kind of a classic time for players like that to get moved for, like, conditional sevens or something like that. That's probably what you'd be looking at. I think Clyde will definitely get one more chance next year, no matter what, just given off his draft profile. Um, you know, his two quarterbacks have been Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. That, that, that'll that do something for your draft stock. Um, so I, I think he'll get one more chance, but – yeah, I, I, I'm just not sure Isaiah Pacheco. Like, you're not done at running back, in my opinion, especially when you've got an older Jarek McKinnon, a UDFA and generic Prince, and a seventh round Isaiah Pacheco. She's can definitely stand to upgrade there with a healthy level of investment. All right, we're going to move on to reading the market. And this is just going to be really simple. We're just going to predict the 2023 stat line for these players. Obviously, uh, for some of these players, they're defensive, so we'll just kind of use their counting stats. Uh, this one, is, the first one is what I think it might be the most interesting player. I think that there's a lot of variance here. Jared, what do you have for Sky Moore's 
2023 stat line? I'm going to go with 630 yards receiving and five touchdowns. I think he will not put up the gaudiest of numbers, but I think those 630 yards are going to be really hard fought and really important. So I think it's going to be an underwhelming stat line that looks better when you watch the highlight tape. It's been really cool to see the outpouring of love and support. Um, obviously somebody that when you think of Chiefs, obviously people think of what's happening on the field and Mahomes and Kelsey and that kind of thing. But behind the scenes, um, the Hunts fan, the Hunts are often talked about as some of the better owners in sports and Norma Hunt, a big reason why. And I just thought it was interesting to see the first Chiefs visit ever to the White House coinciding with this. And it was cool to kind of see the city kind of wrap their hands around the Chiefs and, and show that love back. Yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously, you're talking about the Hunts family uh, with the Chiefs, not only the Chiefs, but just the entire NFL going away back to the AFL-NFL merger, right, with Lamar Hunt. Uh, so very, very integral part of NFL history. A lot of things aren't how they are today without her and the Hunt family. So obviously a big loss for the Chiefs organization. Um, it's tough, tough time to say the least. And it's crazy because – Good thing is she she got to see the Chiefs make it to the mountaintop twice again, right? Obviously back in 2019 and then this past season. And, you know, for a woman up there in her age, she looked great still, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she lived a very, very beautiful life, man. So I'm definitely giving my thoughts and prayers to the Hunt family. And, um, yeah, it, you know, we, we all know that Clark – is going to keep it going for the Hunt family and keeping their his father and his mother's name um, a very well alive for sure. Yeah, it was some cool notes coming out just kind of in remembrance. Uh, I think it was Matt Derrick who pointed this out. So forgive me if I get it right or get it wrong, but basically saying that, you know, Clark Hunt was the first person to quote unquote touch the Lombardi trophy each one of those times the Chiefs got it, but he immediately passed it off uh, to, to Norma Hunt and um, she kind of had that full embrace and getting the Lamar Hunt trophy, obviously, for the AFC title is cool. Um, and then the Lombardi trophy as well. Cole's chiming in on YouTube with us. Appreciate y'all rocking with us on YouTube. Cole says she's the only woman to attend all 57 Super Bowls. It's another fun fact that we had kind of been seeing in the I mean, it, it's crazy. I couldn't even imagine seeing the growth of the game, the growth of the sport, the growth of her own franchise, as we talked about. Um, just. Uh, obviously heavy hearts around Chiefs Kingdom and and we join them in sending our condolences to the Hunt family and um, just love and support sending that their way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. They, uh, they did go to the White House, which was interesting. The first Chiefs team to go to the White House, even though they won three Super Bowls before, this is the first Chiefs team to go there. This is their third Super Bowl win. This is the first time. When did this start? Because they didn't go back in the day in the 60s. I wonder when did this become a thing? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, maybe Serta can get on that and get back to us. But it was cool to see the – and I talked about this with – I'll plug it again. Jody Fortson will have that full interview tonight on KSHB. But just it was cool to see the whole team back together again. Guys who maybe retired in Chad Henney's case, guys who have gone on to other teams in Colin Saunders and McCole Hardman. Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap, guys who maybe are still trying to figure out uh, what's going on as far as next year is concerned. It was just cool to see them all under one roof um, and, and and enjoying in the the victors, right? Like they're getting the full victory lap, if you will, Mark. Yeah. And one name you didn't mention who was probably one of the top stars there that was a former chief is Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju was there. Yeah, he did a little TikTok. We saw it. Yeah. Yeah, they were going crazy. I mean, if he was following his story, he was—he probably had the longest story out of all of them. I was kind of snooping around his story. You know, when it's really long and the story gets really small at the top, that was Juju's story on Instagram. Just little was grains crazy. of rice going across, like real. Yeah. It's one of those you just keep tapping it, like okay, let's get through this real quick. But uh, yeah, no, it was really good to see the guys back together, man. You know, obviously uh, the guys that aren't on the team right now good moments for them because I they did endure that that run with the team whether fans want to believe it or not and like why are you here you're not a chief anymore 
Well, they were still on that team. They were a big, they were a big part of why they won the Super Bowl. So yes, they can get away from their OTAs or whatever with the Patriots and the Jets for McCole Hardman for a day. So I'm fine with that. Orlando Brown was not there though. I don't know if you saw him. Him got interviewed uh, in the locker room about it. He was kind of talking about how you know I just want to oh, another day to be to get great and to be to get better and stuff like that. So. I don't know. I think there's a little animosity there, but I'm not going to speak too much on it. But uh, yeah, overall, really good to see the guy. No, speak on it. No, 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 no. no. Oh, don't worry about that, that because there's a couple. Na- there's a couple names that weren't there. This isn't. This isn't oh, on the show sheet, but I think this is good okay. talk here. You you mentioned Orlando Brown, and word to my shirt, I don't think Clyde Edwards-Alaire was in attendance for the Chiefs' visit to the White House, and I want to clean up the housekeeping from earlier 1980 was the first year a team went to the white house an nfl team according to steven serta the chiefs first super bowl win came in 1970 uh jim in the comments says it all started with richard nixon so that's the housekeeping behind that we're talking now about some chiefs that maybe weren't there do you read into i mean orlando brown he's a bengal so i kind of get it like maybe not hobnobbing with the rival team but for clyde I noticed Juan Thornhill wasn't there as well. Is it scheduling? Are we re- are we reading into guys not being there? So here's the thing. With Juan, I give him a pass because he made a tweet about it, kind of explained himself, and he was at the parade, to my knowledge, right? He was at the parade. We talked at the this parade, is, yes. This is why for CH, it's a thing. He didn't go to the parade, and now the, the White House. So it's the combination of them both. If he would have went to the parade and then not the White House, it wouldn't be a story. It's the fact that he wasn't at either. And I remember about so what the does parade. That tell, what does that tell you, Mr. Prognosticator, Mr. Mr. Twitter Streets, Mr. If, if you're reading the crystal ball that says, okay, he didn't show up at the parade, didn't show up at the White House. We know that there's been smoke around CH, and we'll talk a little bit about it later with his new coach. He has a new position coach uh, that talked about, his usage and how he's looked in OTAs, but for him not to be at the white house and the parade, what does that tell you, Mark Gunnels? It's either one or two things. And I think the second thing is more likely, but I'll say the first one here right now. I think the first thing is maybe, maybe he feels like he has like this personal thing with him where he knows he wasn't a part of that Super Bowl run. So in his mind and him being who he is, maybe as a person, he feels like he doesn't deserve to reap the benefits of that because he didn't play a part on the field. So maybe that's just a personal thing within himself, not nothing against the team or anything like that. And then maybe the second thing is maybe he's still a trade candidate. Maybe he's still a trade candidate. I've seen his name on a few lists. I've seen I've seen the list going around. Out the room of possibility. I, I, I mean, you you brought back McKinnon. You have a couple of running backs that they may like uh, bring off, off the practice squad. We already know Pacheco. Maybe that's still a possibility, and there he knows it. And you know he did show up to mini camp and OTAs, looking in great shape and things like that. But that could also be an audition for another team to say that he's not going to be just this pouty guy. And in OTAs? Sure. You're auditioning in OTAs already? I mean, but I'm just saying, just from the narrative standpoint, it would look bad if he didn't show up to that as well. Like, at least he's showing up for the actual football things. The like, But these are not even mandatory. So why would you show up to voluntary work, what, what, what equivalents to voluntary workouts, and then skip? To make you yourself look good. <sighs> The CEH thing is starting to turn into a conundrum for me, and and I won't even I won't even talk specifically to the football part. I want to talk about specifically skipping the parade and the White House for CEH. I don't care what your mental tells you about if you contributed or if you felt like you you were inactive for the game, whatever. Twenty thirty years down the road, you're gonna kick yourself. It, like mentally, I know you're probably in a bad place right now. A lot of speculation. You feel like you should have been active. They didn't activate you. There's tension there that's kind of palpable. We haven't had an opportunity to talk to them yet. These are once in a lifetime opportunities, Mark. And you worked your whole life, played on one of the best college football teams of all time. Like you can't take these opportunities for granted. Some of these guys never get to take a chance to get to, to get a, a parade down their their street. Some teams never get a chance to go visit the White House. 
We yeah. talked on this platform before about was the chief kicker going to show up because of his uh, potential. Did we talk about that on here? No, not on here. Not on here. I was I wondered out loud. I'll bring it on, Mike. I wondered out loud if Butker would make the trip because of how outwardly and outspoken he's been uh, about his views in the past. But he he even went, and to me that shows you the just. And Nick Bolton kind of spoke about this in the past. I know we're kind of going along on the White House stuff, but I think this is cool. And this is the middle of the summer. Um, I, I think it shows you Nick Bolton kind of talked about, you know, white, black, Republican, Democrat. Andy Reid kind of talked about this. Like these are once in a lifetime things that when you win the Super Bowl and when you get to experience this thing, when you get to the top of all football professional, when you get to the top of the top, the height of all heights. Yeah. Take it in and enjoy the flowers for a little bit. So that, that would just be my advice to CH. I know you hurt, man. Uh, ultimately, that's what this comes down to. I know there's some hurt feelings here. But man, just just go, just just go and and, and have the experience. So you're telling me there wasn't no fashion show in New York this time around? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I mean, he missed the parade because there was a fashion show. So I want to make sure was there another fashion show somewhere like in London or something or L.A. I, I didn't know. I don't know. I didn't see any tweets this time about no fashion show though. So I guess it wasn't. Does he get traded before week one? <laughs> and y'all chime in before mark answers i want to hear what y'all have to say as well the question is we're talking clyde edwards lair and how it relates to the white house we're still speculating that he could potentially be trade bait i'm saying no i want to hear what you all have to say in the comments uh before mark gunnels goes i'm a lean no but i think it's i think it's a it's a tough no i got if i had to give you a percentage like i think it's like 55% no, 45% yes. And that's a way higher percentage no. I mean, yeah, that's a way higher percentage no than I would have had beforehand. Like, I I, I don't know, man. It, it's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. If you're I, I trading for CEH at this point, what are you getting, one year? You're getting a one-year rental, basically, with, with no promises that he's going to re-sign with you in the offseason? What, what if there's, like, a, you know, a training camp or preseason injury to somebody's RB1, RB2, and they're a team that maybe feels like they're in contention and they kind of need that extra, like they're in win now mode. Like, let's say, like, the I don't know, the Bills or somebody like that, right? Somebody that's a, a one, maybe a player away or they're right on the cusp of competing for a championship and their guy goes down before the season goes, something like that. It, it'll have but to be, does CEH uh, get you over the hump, dog? Be honest. I mean, not over the hump, but just to like stabilize your running back room if you have an injury. I should say that to stabilize it i don't think people understand that with no pacheco right now ceh is getting the rb1 looks yeah, yeah i mean mckinnon's not in he's not going to show up until saint joe respectfully so he's a veteran he is the playbook you have full faith and confidence that when he shows up he'll be ready to go um but right now when we go out to otas tomorrow clyde is the rb1 yeah. So are you trading? Are you trading a guy? Obviously, we can have this conversation and we will continue to have this conversation through camp. He is the most interesting chief headed into 2023, bar none. Clyde Edwards Alaire. I think his story, I think the the absences, and now this this White House trip, it just add, it, it adds more fuel to the fire. I think he's the most interesting chief. Also interesting, what was Travis Kelsey gonna say at the podium? Let, let, let's run this video. Let's run this video real quick if we have it. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> that man is ready for WWE. He 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 already has SNL down. WWE is next. So speaking of WWE, I have an interesting take here. I haven't heard nobody say about this situation. Okay, let's hear I it. Think this, I think this was scripted. Duh. Yeah, I haven't seen nobody say it though. So don't say duh. I haven't seen nobody come out on Twitter and actually say that Mahomes and Kelsey had this planned. People really think that Kelsey's going to say something. No, he was not. Kelsey and Mahomes talked before this happened. He said, hey, bro, I'm about to go to the mic and act like I'm going to talk. Just come and grab me. And Mahomes like, okay, yeah, I got you. Like, this was scripted, bro. Like, I, I can't believe people really think that this was real. Like, he was really going to go up there and just talk and spew some nonsense. I, yeah, they had this plan, bro. 
it was it went too smoothly. If you look at Mahomes, he kind of was looking to the side, like, okay, I'm waiting for him to say a couple words, then I'm gonna come pull you. Like they had this planned out, but I'm not fooled. This has been dissected more than the Zapruder film here in <laughs> in the kingdom. Like people well, were see, really convinced. You're with me on this. I'm with you because these are master showmen. Like Travis Kelsey at this point now in his career, like he's done the SNL. He's done like big performances. He's done stage shows for the New Heights podcast. Like he has a true TV background, not background, but like he he knows how to play to the cameras. You don't think that if Mahomes and Kelsey knew if they got to the White House one day that they were going to do something funny. They were going to lean into the bro humor. They're going to sell T-shirts based off of this. They're going to create another. There's there's money in going viral. There's money in having your name always in the headlines. There's money in having these little clips right here. I thought it was a cool, fun moment. Chiefs fans, I'm going to say it. Don't take it for granted. Your team going to the White House is a privilege. Your team having personalities is a privilege. Don't take it for granted. Because I know people like Mark Gunnels will get on here and say, oh, we'll be, the, we'll be down by the next president. You know, we'll, we'll see Biden again, potentially. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll be, don't take it for granted. Because, it, look, man, they've won three now. And this is still the first trip. You never know. Uh, like, this doesn't happen. We've seen teams like, for instance, UGA most recently. They won the national championship in college football. Scheduling didn't work out. And it didn't happen. The Chiefs made it happen. A lot of the guys were there. They looked happy. Um, I wish I was on this trip, man. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's get into, so we did the five press things, the five observations that I had from seeing practice with these eyeballs, these, these 30-something-year-old peepers. Um, we, we talked about Prince, uh, and I, I also think that as we're, we love the new, right? We, we, we were always thinking about what, what can, can the new bring in this new season. Uh, Justin Ross is another one. I, if you're a listener, if you're a listener of this <laughs> podcast, you know how I feel about the insane hype for Justin Ross when you have other talented players on the team, and that to me includes Sky Moore and Noah Gray. These two stuck out to me in my Thursday look, and I'll remind you, like Andy Reid does, this is a passing camp. This is OTAs. There's not pads. There's not the risk of getting lit up when uh, you catch a pass and there's a defender right there, like you would see maybe in a preseason game or what they call the thud practices of training camp. Sky Moore and Noah Gray, to me, might be hiding in plain sight here when it comes to what what they may bring to the table in 2023. Juju is going to leave a lot of targets on the table. And so they're, they're going to have to be reliable targets beyond Travis Kelsey. And Sky Moore, to me, looks a little bit bigger. He looks a little bit quicker. And uh, I know that he had two drops in 2022. Uh, no, no, nothing was dropped yesterday, and I, I you could tell there's like a little bit better chemistry and rapport with Mahomes. Maybe that that comes from his time spent in in Texas, but I, I've liked the way Sky Moore looks. 
Uh, I want to say Julian Edelman ish. Maybe that's a little bit early to make be making that comparison, but I could just really see him being uh, an impact player in the slot for the Chiefs, especially when you have all those targets and yards to fill that Juju has left by going to New England. Gray had this really nice one on one catch against Justin Reed. And I'm telling you, Justin Reed looks great, too. And he was blanketing Gray the way that I can only describe it. It was like a back shoulder pass. That it really had to be timed up well with Mahomes, and he hit him right in the hands, and he had to really fall to cradle the ball. I mean, this was a tough catch and perfect placement by Mahomes against Reed, who was right on him. And I, I think Gray made some really quiet now, like big time catches for the Chiefs late. Uh, John, you are always on the pulse of snap counts for us. You got to think Kelsey's decreasing to you know it's and not i'm not saying he's not going to be decreased by a lot but let's say maybe in the 60 to 70 percent range i think number gray is is maybe not getting enough attention when it comes to what he could mean for the chiefs from a production standpoint um in 2023 well i i think that that gray has kind of been um under the radar even during the regular season i mean he he had some great catches last year but he's, you know, Kelsey is still getting the vast majority of the snaps with the team. Gray's opportunities are coming mostly on second tight end looks um, where he's, you know, primarily going to be a blocker. But he's also made some very impressive plays and uh, and been, when he isn't the focus of the play, a good blocker. He's actually shown himself to be a really good tight end in Andy Reid's system. So, and to a large extent, he's been under the radar even when they're dressed up for games. And I'll just make a point here that it's never too early to bring up a Julian Edelman comparison. Now, <laughs> it might be too early to say he'll be as good as Edelman, but it's fine, right. I think, to say he'll be that kind of a player for the Chiefs. Let's make that well, let's make that distinction. I just remember Edelman, same size, I believe, is you know a little bit undersized, but mm-hmm. yeah. good hands and you know tough catches up against defenders and really good off the line. Like not necessarily like the fastest blazing guy, but like really quick off the line. It, he looks like him to me. I, you know, we have to see that in the preseason. I know that's a little bit early because Edelman Edelman was the man for so long, but we'll see. Uh, second observation, I also think Marquez Valdez-Scantling um, I also think Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Patrick Mahomes' timing is on point. I, I noted this last year in OTAs. People kind of laughed when the regular season production wasn't there, but man, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was maybe the most important receiver in the stretch of the playoffs, or one of them at least. I mean, he made some of those big-time catches, the touchdowns. Mm-hmm, right. um, we'll see if the, it leads to regular season production now with, with no juju. Um I don't know. I, I I just like what I'm seeing, and it's probably going to be similar production. I think, what did he finish, between 600 and 800 yards, something like that. I you know, Maybe it's the same, but I again, I, I think so far, so good. That you know, It's just kind of like a check checkbox. Yeah, the chemistry and, and rapport is still there uh, you know, two years later here. Well, I can't remember. I won't be able to recall, because I'm an old man, exactly which game it was, but uh, Valdez Scantling had a very big game when Juju was out last year. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're more likely to see. I, I think your prediction has a better chance uh, to bear fruit during the season in this coming season because he won't have to get past Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I think he will be closer to being the guy who is the main receiver uh, that's that's targeted, and I think that will end up giving him more touches this year. Now, of course, if, if Kadarius Tony is uh, healthy there, I got to use my macro again, uh, yeah. then Tony could be that number one guy. Uh, and I think you can make an argument for a couple other players. Some would say one of those players would be Justin Ross, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, just from what we know now, Valdez Scantling is in a, in the catbird seat to be the, the main receiving option for the chiefs. Yeah, uh, I I think if you were betting on it, you'd probably say that targets and yards after Kelsey would would go to MVS or or Tony. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. more as a little bit of a dark horse there. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I can't. Now you now you're in my head, John. But if Tony stays healthy, <laughs> he should have the next targets uh, after after Kelsey. Uh, but 
if you're betting on it, wouldn't you bet on MVS? I, I feel like he would be the favorite if we were like making odds for this type of thing, just because of, of Tony's track record and, and health and MVS last year in, in those spots. Sure. Sure. Uh, I, I think speak, between those two, it'd be one of them. Yeah. This is my third observation. And I teased it before. I, I think Tony looks as healthy as he's looked to me. And um, what I mean is, uh, and we've been joking about it all show, but when you watch Kadarius, you don't only watch him in the sense of any other player. What can he do this year? You watch him in the sense of like, is he going to be fine when he's turning like a wild man? Uh, he's got that knack to his game like Tyree Kill did where um, I'm going to describe it. You know, you catch the pass, stop on a dime. You give the left and the right juke, left, right, juke, left, right, juke fast. You know, he, they can do four jukes in, in the time of, of one one for because they're that fast and then really cutting hard. And then him being fine, him falling down to practice. And then, you know, you you have that moment where you're watching 19 and you're like, wait, he just fell down. OK. All right. He's good. OK. Um, so far, you know, in, in these looks, again, limited, but um, looks like he's falling, getting back up, turning quick, stopping on a dime. Uh, now this is going to have to continue into the summer. Uh, John, do you have anything else to add about Tony? We've been talking about him a little bit here. <laughs> well, uh, I think that we always talk about uh, the chiefs having a good um, sports medicine department that they can keep these guys playing. And uh, I think a lot of people are hoping that Tony will be able to take advantage of that and be able to play a full season. Um, Whether or not the chiefs actually have it over other teams in this area is very hard to calculate, but it's possible that, that that is the case, but it's also possible that the chiefs also in their coaching are able to take Tony aside and say, okay, you've got the talent to make this move, but that move risks an injury. So maybe you shouldn't make that move. And I wonder if that's the real thing that the chiefs do that helps them keep their players on the field is that they're coaching. uh, They're coaching some of these risky tendencies out of players. That's just well, you, some speculation on my part. Well, you started with Tyreek in Kansas City and now in Miami. Uh, Tyreek makes you you they're typically called business decisions. But how much can you blame Tyreek when he ducks out of bounds and still is ac- accumulating near 2000 yards a season? I mean, sure. It, sure. Yeah. He's making his business decisions, but that's keeping him on the field. To, right. It, so should we be describing it in the same way? And yeah, I think there is something to that. You wonder if, if Tony has some of that built into his coaching. I uh, want to talk about Nazi Johnson, nice player for the Chiefs that they drafted late last year Had two pass breakups in this look. I, I might go as far as to say it. And this occurred to me this morning with just how good Nazi Johnson a has looked and then Nick Jones, um, you know, more so in, in some of those sub teams or secondary teams. Um, I, I, I wonder if you could lock in what the cornerback room is, is going to look like. They kept six last year. Um, and I, I was, you know, with 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 Johnson also being so important now to Dave Tope, calling him one of the better gunners that he's had in a long time. Um, could the cornerback room be done here? Because it, if you keep six, it's Snead, it's McDuffie, it's Jalen Watson, uh, Joshua Williams. You have Nazi Johnson and then Nick Jones, which is you know this year's seventh rounder. I don't, I don't think they're going to want to uh, risk him getting scooped up by somebody else. Uh, last year, that six player was Lamans. He's no longer with the team and. You have Nazi Johnson filling that special teams void. Are are we good on June 9th, John, at 1036 a.m. to lock in <laughs> the 53-man roster cornerback room? What about uh what about Jamari Connor? Where does he fit into well, this? Well, they're they're they've been running him as a safety. As a so, safety? Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But so. but but he's kind of a dual role player. And right. so I'm not exactly sure what box he fits in but I expect there will be space for him on the roster someplace, but I agree. Uh, they've got a lot of guys in camp. Um, and it might be that that roster is very close to being set with the guys that they drafted, which is bad news for some of these other players, but you know, they were very high on uh, Johnson last year and, uh, they're similarly high on Jones this year. So they may in fact be the last two guys of the group of six. I made that point last year when they made the Rashad Fenton trade. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it was less about the top guys and more about Nazi Johnson. It was mm-hmm. if we keep Fenton after he's done with this injury, we're risking Johnson getting claimed. You know, mm-hmm. and they we didn't want to wave him to the practice squad and right. They moved and guess what? They won 
you know, Fenton was a <laughs> he was a really important player for Spags. Spags would rave, rave about him. They ship him off in this trade for essentially nothing to the Falcons. And then they go and win the Super Bowl. So right decision so far. Uh, I think keeping Johnson was really smart, especially because he's so valuable to Tobe at the back end of that room. And I, I think he, he's starting to show early here in the passing camp that maybe he could step up in a spot where uh, you do get down a few cornerbacks. All right, last observation here. Um, this is just something I, I found fun. Uh, the fact that Andy Reid explained that, you know, this week here in, in June, uh, the first three days were about the AFC West teams, game planning specific versus them. Uh, one of the the practice that we saw, we didn't follow up with this. The practice we saw was against one of the AFC West teams. They were doing the scout team, uh, ones versus twos type of thing. Friday night, uh, or Friday, I should say, the practice we don't get to see today as we're talking is about the Detroit Lions. So here on June 9th, they are making specific game planning uh, for the Lions or for this game that occurs, what, in like 90, 85, 90 days. A, you know, I'm not sure how many teams are game specific right now. Maybe it's every team. Maybe every team does this. I, I think it is early for specific game planning, but who am I? I mean, I, I, I've only covered the Chiefs. I know that Andy Reid likes to do this in the offseason. Um, B, regardless of whether or not um, this game is is going to be here before we know it, so why not start preparing for the the great offense of the Detroit Lions and and their rebuilt defense and, and whatnot, John? Well, and the other reason is they got to play on Thursday night right after that. Yeah. Isn't that right? Isn't it's, yeah. it's, it's second week is is a Thursday night game. So I think they're already planning to, you know, do that preparation uh, more or less simultaneously. So I think that translates into having a practice in OTAs that's about the Detroit Lions. So, yeah, it it sounds early. But as you just said, I think correctly, it'll be here before we know it. Um, and. And uh, it, it's not that unreasonable to think they could be looking that far ahead at, under the circumstances that exist. Yes, the, the schedule uh, has the the Lions. That's the first. And then they do get 10 get days off, John. That's the only non-Christmas oh, Day right, noon game of the, the year. Yeah, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Jaguars. So, yeah, um, sorry. My bad. But, it's no, I second, just want to make yeah. sure that we say that. Yeah, but we we, yeah. we do see the AFC West and uh, – you know, early in the season, they got there's that weird stretch where they play the Broncos week six and week eight. Frank Clark's Broncos. They get they get a shot at Frank Clark twice in three weeks. So um, that is a, a stretch they're preparing for right now. Of course, you play the AFC West teams um, twice a year here. So we talked about Sky Moore and Noah Gray. I think MBS looks well. I think Kadarius Tony looks as healthy as I've seen him in a long time. Uh, Nazi Johnson, we highlighted. And then the Chiefs preparing for those pesky lions already today as we speak john so five uh press items and five observations from day nine of otas we'll get mandatory mini camp starting on tuesday of next week it's actually nice because the chiefs have to be there so we can ask about injuries and who's not there what's going on um and then uh also we'll get all three days so busy week at arrowhead pride coming up for us but uh we look forward to it and then the chiefs actually get their rings on thursday i believe I guess aside from Banner Night, marking the end of the Super Bowl celebrations, finally, I think, uh, what is that? Whatever next Thursday is, June, whatever. Um, once they get their rings, then they can officially, officially, I think, move on to trying to defend that title. All right, those are five and five right now. Um, you're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. When we come back, we will go through the news roundup of the past week. Stay with us.